This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members, Joe Coughlin and Mario Carlino, as we get you guys all caught up and with a lot of football going on and a lot of sports. As uh, we were talking before the podcast, uh, April 5th means that we're going to have more sports and we're going to have around 15 sports going on at the same time. So, uh, a lot of sports to talk about, a lot of sports to keep in track. So we'll try to do our best in getting you guys all up to date on what's going on this week. We'll do our regular four-quarter format. In the first quarter, we are going to uh, recap big wins uh, for both Nutrier and Loyola football and a good uh, matchup between the two schools in boys soccer. In the second quarter, we're going to hear from a Loyola Academy uh, alumnus, Jordan Kaczynski, um, who was part of the NCAA tournament with Drake. He was part of the bubble experience, so we'll hear from him. In the third quarter, we're going to play our weekly game of way or no way, have Joe and Marty uh, make some, some guesses about the future. And in the fourth quarter, we are going to preview week three of football with some good matchups we're looking forward to as well. So um, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they are available. Make sure to give us a nice little review while you're there. The more uh, reviews and good reviews we get out there, the more people uh, we can share our great sports knowledge with. So why don't we get things started here in the first quarter where uh, we recap uh, what a lot of people were calling calling, uh, a pseudo state championship game between Loyola Academy and Mount Carmel in uh, football on Saturday afternoon. Um, a lot of these guys, I know uh, you guys saw in Neil's uh, Milbert story, treated it as a state uh, championship game between these two uh, storied rivals against uh, each other. And uh, Loyola uh, started strong. Mount Carmel came back kind of in the middle, but uh, Loyola ultimately prevailed with their 35-17 to 17 win over the defending IHSA uh, 7A, state, 7A uh, champion Mount Carmel caravan. Um, again, it was Von Pemberton. Uh, we had another huge day with 201 total yards, uh, 135 ground rounds, and uh, 66 receiving yards as well. So, um, guys, we really looked up to this game, and uh, we're really looking forward to seeing uh, what we got. And what we got was uh, Loyola really putting on a show for uh, high school fans uh, when it comes to football. Yeah, and they put it on in the second half and really flexed their defensive muscles. I think that's, you know, getting lost in their 35-point performance, which is nice against a team like Mount Carmel. But they shut them out in the second half. You know, uh, Mount Carmel had a huge comeback, seemed to have the momentum, um, closing it within four to 21-17 at half, um, just after uh, Loyola scored. So they really got that momentum right back. And it looked like, oh, second half they could come out um, – you know, puffy chested and see what's going on. And uh, Loyola shut them down the whole half. So that's what that defense can do. Um, I think they, um, you know, they might've been surprised early by some things. I don't know about surprise is the right word, but um, 
a, a team like um, Mount Carmel with with Lynch in the backfield and, and, a, and a running game like that can do that to you with some big plays. But Loyola just shut him down. And then Pemberton's big run on the fourth down closed it. Um, but uh, I think they just they showed why they're number one, you know, or at least up there for number one. It also shows if you ask me, there's there's a little issue with the rankings. And I can't believe I fell into the trap once again of. I'm just kind of believing high school rankings because they're so hard to predict. No offense to any of these guys who put them together. You know, when, when, when you graduate kids year after year, it's very difficult to predict um, except uh, put them, put certain schools near the top, but uh, to have Mount Carmel number two seems a little high seeing as what St. Rita has done, seeing what Lincoln Way East has done. And, uh, but Loyola seems to be about right at number one. Yeah. And I think so often in, high school football we see sort of how games can swing at halftime um, a lot of times that is uh, in the second half of games we see that is when you know the the rosters with a little bit more depth the rosters with a little bit more talent um, the rosters that maybe go two three deep at each position tend to uh, then take over games in the second half and we see that so often and it seemed like this game was uh, this game on Saturday was kind of a case it case in point of that uh, of that theory right there where Loyola just came out in that second half and proved that they've got more depth and they have the better overall roster and they showed it by just uh, just completely dominating that second half so really impressive performance from them uh, we've talked about them obviously week after week now and what we think about this team and all the uh, high expectations and so far through two games against two of the better teams in the state they're absolutely backing it up and showing that, uh, as Joe said, they belong atop any uh, high school football rankings. And I think, you know, Neil's story, um, Neil Millward, our beat writer for them, talked about how they really shut down the passing game and a testament to that defensive backfield. You could see it in the quotes from Hollisek and all the chatter on Twitter. Marty Auer, um, who's one of those special defensive backs for them, had a, had a pick six. And uh, <laughs> a lot of the teammates were saying, how come this kid isn't, a college hasn't grabbed him up yet. And I think uh, Halsek said that too. So artist Benjamin um, had his second pick too. So that's a special secondary. Yeah, while definitely. And I, and I think, Oh, sorry, Marty, Marty, go ahead. While we're shouting out Neil, I got to give him a little shot on, on one of the quotes that's included in the article from Vaughn Pemberton. He, uh, he prefaced the quote by talking about how uh, Carmel had sort of bested the, the Ramblers in the previous three times he had faced them. And he's got a great quote, uh, a great line to end that quote. Um, no, 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 not today. So uh, just kind of shows you, just kind of shows you the motivation that they had going into that game. And uh, I think, I think he was pretty amped up for, for that Saturday game. And we'll He's the only one I saw that said um, they danced on our logo. So I don't know if that was like a, a Michael Jordan thing where he just sees something small and makes it into something that motivates him. I was, I was like scouring social media, looking for a video of Mount Carmel dancing on the Loyola logo, but uh, Hey, whatever it takes, man. Um, and it, it definitely made a, a difference in the motivation. If you go yeah, in, if you go into Wilmette and you do that, you better be ready to, uh, to back it up. It's <laughs> yeah. a tough place to win a game on a Saturday. Yeah. Looking at the reports, it did seem like the game was uh, getting a little chippy between the two teams. Obviously this is a rivalry that's gone on for a long time, but um, obviously you don't really need a lot of motivation, but once you get the two teams jawing at each other, um, it's really hard not to, uh, look forward to a game like this. Uh, but, uh, one of the, uh, thing, it's really hard to figure out who exactly, I mean, this team is like, it seems to be so complete, obviously, like you guys talk about the secondary, but then you have Von Pepperton and then you have, uh, JT Thomas, who, I mean, threw for 222 yards. I mean, 
it, this team is really showing kind of what we expected all year where um, you're getting the best of both worlds or even all three phases of the game where um, you have a team who can pass it, you have a team that can run it, you have a team that can lock, ta- lock you down uh, in the passing game and obviously running-wise uh, can lock you down and they can make a field goal from probably 50 yards. So, I mean, is, it, is there a t- is in the first two games, is there something that you guys have seen or read that has kind of been like maybe they still need to improve on this? I mean, obviously no team is perfect, but I mean, it seems like this team is pretty close to uh, what you would imagine or draw up as a high school state champion or as probably the best team in the state. I mean, early, you know, after game one, we talked about it a little bit. It was turnovers. I, I think they had five, if I'm not wrong, in, in the first game. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple fumbles, a couple picks. And But Holosek talks about how they they worked on things in the week off, and I have to imagine that's a big one. Big what was a big one decision making, decision making under pressure, um, and uh, so that's the Achilles heel of of I think any team that's trying to get somewhere big is you know if you're going to turn the ball over in big moments, um, you're going to be in trouble. Um, they didn't do that in big moments against Carmel, so um, I, I guess you know in the past they've been beaten by big plays. And I think Carmel got him for a couple big plays, but they didn't let up any to, to Rita, who has some big playmakers. So I don't, I don't know. You know, you caught me off guard with that question because I don't, nothing's standing out as unfixable right now. So week one, we kind of talked about how maybe we had, you know, the ever slightest bit of concern about uh, what they might be able to do on offense. And then they come back uh, this past week and just completely shut us up with 35 points against a, <laughs> a very good team. Uh, so it's it you kind of ask yourself the question, you know, how do you beat this team? Because if you've got a great offense, you know you're going to go up against that Ramblers defense that so far through two games has given up, what, 20 points against uh, very talented and very good offenses. And then if you come in and you think you've got a great defense, you've got to face what seems like a, a very talented and uh, very fluid and multidimensional offense as well. So how do you beat this game? Week one, how do you beat this team? Week one, we saw – great defensive performance from them week two we saw the mixture of defense and great offense uh week three maybe we'll see nate van zelt kick like seven field goals or something and show off how good they are on special teams too so uh i I, yeah i don't have an answer of how you beat them i think probably as joe alluded to uh, you got to hope you hit a couple big plays and on offense and catch that defense uh, off guard which is going to be very hard to do so obviously a big win uh, for the Ramblers against Mount Carmel. They played Brother Rice on Thursday um, this some coming week. So we'll talk more about that in our um, uh, fourth quarter where we preview week three. But why don't we move over now to Nutrier, who uh, uh, didn't really have any problem with Niles West over the weekend uh, with a big 49 to nothing win at Niles West on uh, Friday night. Marty, I know you're at the game and, um, it just seemed every time I would refresh my Twitter, uh, Nutri would just score again. So uh, it just seemed like uh, Nutri was really flexing um, and really uh, kind of showing off before a big battle between uh, them and Evanston this upcoming weekend. Yeah, they came out and did almost exactly what we expected they were going to do, and that is just very quickly take care of business and uh, put the game out of reach uh, pretty much as soon as they possibly could. Um, started out the game with six consecutive scoring drives. 
it felt like almost before I pulled my notebook out and started taking notes, it was 21, nothing by that time already. But uh, I think, I think they, on their first drive scored on five or six plays and then, you know, forced a three and out, got the ball right back and then punched another touchdown in on, on one or two plays. So uh, very dominant performance um, up there uh, in Skokie against Niles West and kind of did exactly what we envisioned they would do. Um, and they were able to get a lot of their, uh, their starters on both sides of the ball, some significant rest. I think, um, you know, the, the first group of starters only played maybe three to four series. Um, so they're, they're going to be very well rested also with an additional extra day of rest because of the, the Saturday game here in Northfield this week. So, um, I sort of alluded to it in my article. It's, it's tough to say, you know, a dream start, but it's pretty much exactly how uh, Brian Dahl and the coaching staff drew up two weeks um, so far with a 77 to seven point differential so far. Very impressive through two weeks here for the Trebs. Yeah. I mean, and they, <clears throat> a, a lot of ground yards um, in that game. And it just seemed they were ripping off chunks to chunks to touchdowns and, um, from everybody, um, from their quarterback to obviously Brody Roth to um, um, their backup Avery to his backup, you know, they were just getting a ton of ground yards anytime they touched the ball. So cool to see um, and, you know, got to give credit then, um, um, you know, the talented um, playmakers, but also the, uh, the offensive line and the blocking schemes must be pretty good um, to open the holes for anybody who's toting the rock. So um, pretty impressive stuff from, um, Nutria and pretty fun to see. Um, and I, I texted, you know, I read, was reading Marty's story and I asked him like, wait, didn't I watch a, a Finn Cohen, like 60 yard catch and run? I guess it was called back. I was trying to watch on my phone. Um, but I guess it was called back, but they had one of those too. And Finn Cohen can get in and, and be pretty good. And so can other, their, their, their receiving weapons. So I think the, that'll open up when they have to do it. Um, and I look forward to seeing that, but um Marty, pretty, pretty nice to have a running clock on a 40 degree night, isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm checking, I'm peeping the forecast for Saturday and I'm seeing seventies and I am, you know, thanking the stars for a week where there's not a, a very cold breeze and I'm freezing my butt off on the sideline. But, uh, but yeah, there, that, uh, that play you alluded to Joe, I thought I was watching Rob Gronkowski out there for a second because he caught maybe a, a 10 yard pass from Kremaskoli and just shed, uh, three or four tackles, some mean stiff arms had made his way into the end zone. And then when he saw the flag, I think he was like, oh man, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Murray, do you feel obviously Glenbrook South was a, a good opponent in Niles West, but do you feel like you've learned uh, anything about this team in the first two games? Or do you feel like there's still something that you might figure out once they play uh, Evanston on Saturday? I know obviously we'll um, look at Evanston and then they have matchup heading into it uh, in the fourth quarter, but just what did you feel like you've learned about this team in the first two weeks? And uh, what are you still kind of interested to learn more about? Yeah, I think through two weeks, the things that immediately uh, sort of jump off the page to me are uh, number one, the speed on both sides of the ball. Um, you, you know, you, you look at their offense and there's five, six, seven guys that are just very talented players who are quick, who are strong, who are big. Um, you know, they, they've just got great speed at multiple positions. Um, and they can, I think, uh, hurt opposing defenses in a, in a variety of, uh, of different ways. And then uh, on the similarly on the defensive side of the ball as well, there, there's tons of speed there, a lot of size there as well. So, some senior leadership um, in the in the linebacking and defensive backfield unit. So 
Uh, that was something coach Dahl talked up in our, in our preview story. And I think that that is definitely something they've showcased here. These first couple of weeks is their ability to, um, to showcase a lot of speed on both sides of the ball and um, score points very quickly because we've seen uh, now three or four drives where they just put together quick four play drives that, that, that just resulted in touchdowns. But there is, I think still quite a bit to be seen from this team. Um, you know, the old kind of sports analogy is everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, and I don't think they've gotten punched in the face yet because they haven't, uh, really been in a, in a close game to this point through these first two games, the game against Glenbrook South was close for the, for the first half, but then sort of got a, a little bit out of reach in, into the second half. So uh, I don't want to spoil too much that we'll talk about later on in the podcast, but I definitely think this week three matchup uh, against Evanston is going to be a very close game. And there's going to be a very significant uh, shift in the way that these week one and two games were played versus how this week three game was going to play because um, the, these are, these are going to, this is going to be a four quarter game on Saturday. Well, we'll talk more about that in the fourth quarter, but before we say, uh, move on over to the second quarter, uh, Loyola and new Trier, uh, boys soccer got together for, uh, an impromptu, uh, soccer game, but obviously always fun when those two, uh, teams get together and, uh, new Trier got the best of Loyola with the two, nothing, uh, win will Franzen and Dante, uh, Mitchell, each scored for the Trebians, and Aiden Crawford was uh, the one in net with the shutout um, against uh, the Ramblers. But um, most impressive is what I'm looking at photos of the game right now. Is I did not, It did not cross my mind that they would be wearing masks when they were playing soccer, and that is, sounds like the worst possible thing, just running up and down the field with the mask on for, ni- for uh, uh, 90 minutes. That just sounds like a brutal uh, way to play the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I actually thought, I wonder if we could rank them, you know, f- football doesn't seem like too much fun. Uh, I thought basketball would be the toughest. And I think, you know, we saw them being on, you know, court side, constantly adjusting the mess and everything. But I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? Um, I think it's kind of, the, I think they've played with these masks. I haven't actually been out to a soccer game yet, but, you know, in the basketball season with with poise and, and with, you know, no complaining and, you know, you didn't see anybody rip off a mask or you didn't see anybody trying to change masks. I didn't at least. So um, I think they understand that they're lucky to have a season. And uh, if this is part of it, so be it. Yeah. I think if you told them they had to play with a 50 pound anchor on their back, that <laughs> these kids, these kids <laughs> would go, these kids would go out there and do it. Cause they just, they just want to get back on the field and on the court. Yeah, definitely. Well, congrats to the Trevians on a big win against the rivalry. Uh, they'll play again later in the month. Uh, and again, we'll, and we'll talk a little bit more. We'll talk a little bit more uh, soccer uh, as uh, we move forward. But all right, let's go move on over now to the second quarter where we catch up with Loyola Academy Boys basketball alumnus Jordan Kuczynski. Uh, he is a freshman at Drake right now, and he I caught up with him uh, the other day. Uh, to talk about what this past season was like and what it was like to be in the NCAA men's uh, tournament bubble. Um, obviously, a lot of uh, not craziness, but a lot of uh, you're not allowed to go anywhere or do anything pretty much and just stay in your room or stay with your teammates. And uh, I talked to him about what that was like, what it was like having the experience uh, winning a game in the NCAA tournament and um, everything else that came along with it. So, uh, why don't we listen to Jordan now as we hear an excerpt about uh, 
just what it was like and uh, what that thrill was like uh, competing in an NCAA tournament. I mean, it was kind of surreal to see us get picked for the tournament and to know that we were going to play in the tournament. Like that had been a, a child. Like, that was one of the whole reasons I started playing basketball was for that reason. It's like a childhood dream. And then with all the other like stuff that we had to go through at the end of the season to see it pay off. Uh, I mean, not at the end of the season, during the season, to see everything pay off by us making the tournament was was kind of indescribable. It was like, I don't know, just like almost like a massive relief and like also a huge like, I don't know, it was just a lot of emotions. It was pretty special. Yeah, definitely. So what were what were the next moments uh, like for you guys? I mean, I know um, obviously you guys had to head over head over to India and uh, obviously get uh, um, tested, quarantine, all that kind of stuff. So take me through just what was it like the first few days um, after you guys heard your name was uh, called? Just what the travel was like and what you guys got to do and what you guys uh, kind of had to do just to be uh, safe and that kind of stuff. Uh, we didn't know if uh, we were if we were picked if we were going to fly out Sunday or Monday night or Monday morning. So we ended up flying out Monday morning, and then they had uh, chartered us a plane, uh, like a big uh, commercial airline, so that we could each seat uh, six feet apart from each other to limit the contact tracing. Right. And then uh, once we got to Indiana, we were broken up into three separate buses so that there was also no contact tracing there. And then um, we got to the hotel, and immediately we had to do our uh, our COVID tests for the people that weren't part of the um, – or for the people that weren't in their 90-day window that had already had it. Yeah. Um, and then for the first night and then, like, half of the second day we were there, we were we had to wait for the results of our uh, – we had to take another COVID test in the morning, and then we had to wait the second day for the results of the test so that we could um, get our, like, identification cards and be able to move around the hotel freely. So what was it like, um, obviously, when you guys had to quarantine and obviously wait out and wait for your results to come in? I mean, how did you and the guys kind of just uh, – I'm sure you guys were secluded in your own rooms and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But So, I mean, how did you just kind of spend the time? I mean, did you kind of view, spend it as kind of a good break, obviously, given everything that you guys went through, the turn, the conference tournament, the regular season, and uh, obviously the emotions of going through and seeing that you guys are gonna, going to be in the – uh, big uh, tournament. So, I mean, how did you kind of just spend that time in the hotel room just kind of uh, getting ready before you guys were able to meet again? Yeah, we just, they delivered, they would like deliver us food and I was just hanging out in the hotel room just like talking to my friends and showing them kind of what like the, what the bubble was like in the first day. Um, I had a lot of people that had reached out to me that wanted to, to see what everything was like. So that kind of kept me busy. But yeah, other than that, it was basically just like hanging out in my room for, you know, a night in the first half of the day. It wasn't too bad. I mean, I didn't really mind at all. Yeah. And then based on uh, reading other stuff, I knew that uh, each team, like, had their own floor. So you guys would, after you guys were able to uh, uh, go through the quarantine and that kind of stuff, you guys were able to meet with your players and uh, teammates and coaches, right, in the meeting room and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, they also had like uh like our own separate like uh eating room where we would mm-hmm. all meet and then our own little like uh film room that we could also that we also had access to. Right. Was it was that weird, uh just obviously given everything or at that point, I mean after a season of uh 
you know, of quarantining, testing, and all that kind of stuff at that point. You guys were just used to it um, after the season that you guys had just played. Yeah, and especially had we just come back from the conference tournament, so we gotten a little bit of a taste of what it would be like, just, you know, more strict. So we weren't, we were all pretty used to it, and then um, it didn't seem all that out of the ordinary. Right. Yeah, so uh, why don't we go to that, uh, obviously, the play, uh, the playing game, or the first four game. Um, what was that kind of like, just, I mean, the thrill of uh, being in that game, being in the tournament, and obviously at the end, I mean, that's, uh, locker room celebration of moving on and that kind of stuff. I mean, what was that experience like for you, um, just being in that moment and then obviously celebrating with your teammates after a big win? It was awesome. Like, in the game, like you, I mean, maybe to a spectator it would have been obvious that the seats were kind of empty, but I don't think any of us on the bench really noticed. Anybody in the game really noticed. Like, we all were so – it was all – like everything was just so involved in the game and the, the energy around it was pretty contagious. So, And then the following up into the locker room was just kind of surreal too. Like like real, like the realization that we'd won our first game in the tournament and that we were like, I don't know, it was just one of like the most amazing experiences of my life. Thanks so much, Jordan, for joining us. And thanks, as always, to the players and coaches who are joining us. Always good to get you guys' insight. So we're going to move on over to the third quarter. But before we do so, let's give a quick thanks to our sponsors, Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, in the third quarter, we're going to play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game where Joe and Marty uh, – guess way something's going to happen no way something's not going to happen this week we're going to play with three questions um and why don't we start off since we just talked soccer in the first quarter why don't we continue that over um into uh the third quarter where uh the Loyola boys soccer team after losing to um after losing to a uh, new Trier on uh at the beginning of the week they came back with wins over Fenwick and uh DePaul Prep so uh, way or no way, Marty, that uh, the Loyola Academy boys soccer team can control the conference and win it this year. I'm going to go way on this one, Michael. I think we've seen, um, as you alluded to there in, the, in asking the question, a lot of positive things from this team this year. Uh, we've seen them play some, some very tough competition very closely. Uh, if we look at, uh, you know, what they were able to do against New Trier, which we're kind of right now putting it as the, the class of our coverage area and possibly maybe the class of the state. Um, they, they went toe to toe with them in a, in a game that they weren't even really ready to play. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go, going to go way on, on that one, Michael. And this is for the one, the conference. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a way. Um, I think looking at, you know, what they just did to Fenwick um, sneaking by them. Um, and that's, that, that might be, um, the other top team in that conference, um, and they were able to pull that one out, 2-1 victory. Um, big save at the end, um, I hear. Um, so um, I, I think they're the class of that league. So I think it's a way, and I think you can look for them to, to maybe win out the rest of the year that, that match up with New Trier on April 10th pending. Um, and like Marty said, it was an impromptu game. And what I just heard a little insider trading from um, Tommy Zipperich, one of their one of their players, is they were without their two starting uh, um, defensive backs. So, you know um, that that plays a big deal in in a team with an offense like Nutrier. So, um, I think they're pretty 
pretty darn good. Definitely a top, top five, top 10 team in the state. All right. All right. Second way or no way question goes to girls volleyball. That's with new Trier. Uh, despite their loss to Loyola, they've actually started the season uh, pretty strongly with the wins against everyone else, including uh, wins against GBN, two of them, and a win against Deerfield. Uh, so way or no way, Joe, that the Nutria Girls Volleyball team can go undefeated in conference this season. I, I'm going to go no way. I think, uh, I think they get tripped up uh, by a Maine South or by a Glenbrook South. Um, in one of their one of their matchups, uh, I'm assuming they get two each. So uh, they're going to get some condensed games here, and they might get tripped up. I, I think nutria has got a good team. I don't think they have one of their best teams ever. You know, there have been years, many years, um, where Nutria went without a loss in the CSL South, uh, but this might not be one of them. Um, and uh, I think the loss to Loyola, who's a good team, shows that they can be beaten uh, by good teams. So I think uh, I think they'll take a loss. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with Joe here and go no way on this one. Uh, just simply, I think from a, another bit of a logistical perspective, because just looking over their schedule a little bit here, it looks like they have a lot of games stacked up in a pretty uh, short period of time, obviously, as is such the case with so many high school sports seasons this year. But that that certainly makes things tougher when you're playing, uh, you know, night after night or two two games in three days or, or situations like though like those and looks like you're starting to get into some of the CSL crossovers right now. So always a chance you get tripped up in, in one of the crossover games. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't want to say that I, I think there'll be a, a lot of losses, but I think maybe one or two in there um, and, and it might be tough to, to go undefeated the rest of the way. All right. Our final question uh, this week deals with football. Uh, New Trier plays against Evanston as uh, it seems like it'll be a three horse race between Evanston, Maine South and uh, New Trier for the CSL South title. Um, we're obviously going to talk about it in the fourth quarter what we're looking forward to and obviously have predictions toward the end. But let's say if New Trier wins or if, if New Trier uh, loses against Evanston on Saturday, way or no way that they can still win the CSL South, Marty? Okay, so let's try to put together the pieces of the puzzle on this one before, <laughs> I give it, before I give an answer here. So if they lose to Evanston this week, then they'll be a game behind Evanston. But if they beat Maine South in week five, then that'll put the three teams each with one loss in uh, the five conference games. So then we get into some kind of weird tiebreaker scenario, and I don't know how they would decide that. Obviously, because, you know, Evanston would have then lost to Maine South. Maine South would have lost New Trier. New Trier would have lost to Evanston. So how would they decide that? Maybe margin of uh, margin of victory between those games. And, and that's maybe when week six would come into play. But then there's the CSL crossover. So I don't want to say I don't know for this one because it's <laughs> it's challenging. But I guess just from, you know, talking through it, if they – did lose this week I, I guess I'll probably have to say no way because then it'll just get into a you know utterly confusing situation and it puts an immense amount of pressure on week five on the road in Park Ridge and you never want to have a ton of pressure before you even play that game so I'll just say from trying to talk through the situation maybe no way um, because I wouldn't know how it would how how it would shape up <laughs> Uh, I will say way, uh, as you guys know, uh, <laughs> here we go. 
Pull up a chair. I think Maine South is having a bit of a down year for Maine South, which means that st they're still pretty darn good. I think, you know, seeing what Evanston did to Maine South uh, just this week and shut them down offensively, um, you know, Maine South came out the victor 10 to 7, but I think that shows they can be played with in the CSL South. So I think there's a possibility where new Evanston upends new Trier by, by, by a possession, by three, by seven, whatever, by two. Um, and then new Trier is just still pumped to play Maine South and, and not necessarily because it, the title's on the line, but because it's Maine South, you don't, new Trier is always up for that game, even in years where they're not as a, uh, as um, as talented as this year. So <clears throat> I think they could win that game and then get a co-share. I, I don't know if they do a tiebreaker in this year. We saw that uh, basketball didn't. They just kind of called them co-champs. So I don't think they would. I think they just call them co-champs of the CSL South. So um, in that perspective, I think, yes, that certainly way there is a way for them to do it. I feel like right. a co-championship co situation might not go over too well, though. With those three <laughs> programs. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, there you have a way or no way. Got some good debate on that last one as well, but uh, that's uh, how we do it here in way or no way. So let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we preview big matchups for both Loyola and Nutria this upcoming week. Uh, we've got Thursday night football uh, here happening between Brother Rice and Loyola as Loyola travels down to uh, take on Brother Rice on Thursday, given the holiday weekend. Um, so they'll play it against them. And then Nutria plays against Evanston on Saturday uh, afternoon. But um, why don't we start off with Loyola here? Big game against Providence. Providence uh, took down, I mean, against Brother Rice. Brother Rice took down Providence in week one, 28 to seven, and then uh, lost to Marist this past week in a tight game, 20 to 16. Um, I feel like we say this every single week, but um, it's just another slog fest probably between two of the better teams in the state. Uh, between Brother Rice and uh, Loyola. Um, I don't know how much four days rest plays a factor in this game. I mean, maybe it's just one day. Maybe they just got to work on Sunday or maybe they uh, figured things out. But um, what are you guys looking forward to in this game? Um, and do you guys feel like maybe there's a chance uh, with the short layoff and uh, traveling and everything else playing in, at 4 o'clock, is there any chance for uh, any maybe uh, – um, maybe not a full potential game that we would see if this game was happening on a Friday or Saturday. This is the game that I kind of circled on early in the season, in, even in the preseason when uh, we first saw what the schedule was going to look like that I sort of pinpointed this could be the potential for a slip up because of all the strange elements that you mentioned there, Michael. Thursday night game, 4 p.m. start, short week extra short week for the Ramblers with their, their game being on Saturday. Um, so it, on the road too, as well for them with a, you know, a, a, a bit of a commute there on a Thursday afternoon. Um, that commute all the way down from Loyola to brother rice was not a fun uh, bus ride back in the day. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, you definitely got to put, you know, a factor like that into the back of your mind because that's a, a little part of home field advantage for brother rice. So, Oh man, I don't know. Is this maybe the one where this is kind of, you know, the quote unquote perfect scenario to how you would draw maybe sneaking a win past the Ramblers? We'll, we'll debate that a little more, but yeah, it just feels like there are some strange elements that could add up to, I should say an unusual 
result that wouldn't happen. You know, if it was a normal week of rest, uh, normal Friday night or Saturday afternoon, normal uh, 7 p.m. or 1.30 start time, you know, those kinds of elements. Um, but, but yeah, this, this one feels a little strange. Yeah, I don't um, disagree with any of that, Marty. That, that's certainly some kind of recipe. Uh, what that's going <laughs> to, uh, recipe is going to taste like, I'm not really sure. It could be, like you said, you know, could be the recipe to sneak by Loyola. It could be the recipe to dominate Brother Rice. I'm not sure. It really depends on the coaches and the, their strategies and, and the players' temperament and behaviors, you know, and a lot of things we don't know. Um, but it could be. So I, I'm with you on that. I don't think it will be. Um, I think Loyola is kind of after that big win over, over Mount Carmel, um, feeling pretty good about what they can do. Um, and I don't think it's going to be with, with a coach like Halasek and his, his staff. I don't think it's going to be a, a cocky sort of attitude. I think it's going to be like, okay, this is what we can do. And we're going to go out and prove it every week. So, um, it is odd, you know, um, before good Friday, um, kind of a fun one, um, early, early evening, late afternoon game. Um, what is four o'clock? Is it evening or afternoon? I still, I feel like it's late afternoon. Late afternoon, or early evening. Is it, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's five o'clock evening. All right, anyway, but uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think it should be a recipe for a good game. And, and to be honest, don't know much about Brother Rice yet. Um, Providence is always a pretty good team, but they have years where they're just a good team and not a real good team. And same with Maris, um, and Maris beat them. So. No like opponents yet to really compare and get a yardstick to, but um, I, I think they're, I think Loyola is the, the better team here. And I think they'll, they'll eke out a, a, you know, 10 point win or so. Yeah. I wish we knew a little bit more about this Maris team because obviously the, the last Maris team we saw um, upset Loyola in the, in the playoffs and knocked them out of the playoffs. So obviously that 2019 group uh, was a very strong uh, team, but, it's hard to know what this 2021 Marist group looks like, um, but it, it seems like this week two game uh, with these two teams was a very close matchup that sort of swung in the fourth quarter on one possession, 20 to 16 final um, with Marist coming out on top there. But you almost feel like if your brother Rice, you've got to lay all the chips on the table this week. You've got to pull out all the stops. You've got to dig into your bag of tricks to uh, maybe pull out a trick play or something that you, uh, you only work on on the, those unique situations in practice because if you fall to one and two with your second loss, then um, you're pretty much eliminating any chance to uh, compete in conference or claim any share of a conference title. So it almost feels like from the brother Rice perspective, you have to put um, you have to put you put you have to put it all out there and, and lay everything on the table this week to to try to get an upset win over the Ramblers. Yeah, and I think for the Ramblers, uh, obviously offensively things have been going well, but I think the defense, as it seems like always, will be kind of the key. I mean, Willie Shaw um, is a good running back. He's going to Toledo. He's a three-star three star prospect um, in the class of 2021. So, um, like we talked about a little bit, like Loyola is able to stop the passing game, but we've kind of seen the running game kind of go forward. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how the Lions do, obviously, and what Willie Shaw is able to do. Um, against that linebacking core and even that, that defensive line. I mean, we talked about it um, in the preview show a little bit, but um, that line uh, has played a key role early on this year. And uh, if uh, they really want to make uh, uh, a big imprint against uh, Brother Rice, obviously stopping Willie Shaw will be a big, 
big game plan, obviously, for the Ramblers in this one. So we'll talk predictions. So we'll talk predictions um, after we uh, preview a big matchup against uh, New Trier and Evanston on uh, Saturday afternoon in Northfield. A uh, big matchup between these two teams where we kind of hinted in the third quarter where um, a lot of CSL South implications here. And um, after uh, Evanston lost a close one to Maine South 10 to 7, um, I'm sure there's a lot of motivation to win this game because essentially a team, once you lose your second game, you're pretty much done for the title race. So um, big matchup for New Trier where we're going to figure out some things about them. Um, I know Sebastian Cheeks, obviously, for Evanston um, is a linebacker that Notre Dame and Michigan and other schools are looking at. So that'll be a big um, up, uh, matchup for the new Trier uh, Trevians. But um, what do you guys think? I mean, what are you guys looking forward to on Saturday for uh, this key matchup in the CSO South? It's it's going to it's going to come down to how they're able to um, manage Cheeks, as you mentioned, Michael. I think that's going to be the the key factor of the game. And obviously he's a disruptive force on both sides of the ball um, with being a huge president presence on their defense. And then also factoring in um, to their offense. I believe they, they utilize him pretty frequently out of the backfield. And we've seen in previous years when, when, you know, Evanston has a big workhorse uh, running back out of the backfield, they know how to utilize them. They know how to get the most out of it and they know how to build an offense around that. So it's, it's going to come down to the situations when it's, uh, you know, third and two at, at the midfield. Can you get the stop and can you get your team off the field? And can you, uh, can you flip the field and get the right field position to, to take advantage of that? So are they going to be able to stop the run? And then also uh, Evanston's quarterback, Sean Cruz, I alluded to him uh, a couple episodes ago when we did our preview, saw him play when he was a sophomore. Uh, it seems like through these first two games of his junior year, he's showing some nice signs of growth as well. So we'll have to see what Evanston can bring in the passing game as well. But uh, as we've mentioned, I really like what new defensive backfield brings. So I think they can probably limit their passing game pretty, uh, pretty significantly. So it'll come down to, as it so often does in, in so many high school football games, can new stop the run when they need to stop the run? Because if Evanston is able to, to run the ball at will control the pace of play, control uh, time of possession then, then that just has a trickle-down effect, and they're going to be able to uh, to put forward a, a pretty good game plan on the Trevs here. So, I think that's the main thing you got to watch out. And then uh, it seems through it seems through the first two games as well that Evanston's defense has played really well as well. Um, holding holding Maine South to ten points is uh, usually a very uh, significant outcome and usually pretty challenging. Um, obviously, they they had that game at home on their home field. So that probably helped them out a little bit. They got, uh, you know, maybe Maine South shaken up a little bit coming into coming into Evanston with the home field advantage there. So um, any defense that can hold the Hawks to just 10 points and keep them with only uh, one touchdown through the entire game is probably a defense that's pretty, um, pretty noteworthy and pretty, uh, a pretty solid unit. So we'll have to see what this Trevian's offense will be able to do against uh, what seems like the best defensive team uh, they've certainly faced so far and could be the best defensive team that they're going to face this whole year. Yeah. I think you hit on, on all the right points there, Marty. Um, just to, just to say a little something different, you know, I, I agree that 
their bread and butter is the running game. They're going to have to figure out a way to keep Cheeks from disrupting that too much. Um, and on the defensive end, they're going to have to limit the big plays and get off the field um, and get the ball back in their hands and, and control the clock. But, you know, I'm looking for Coach Dahl um, over there for the Trevians to, to dial up a little something different. I think he knows that that's a stout defense. I think, uh, he, you know, he knows that they're in for a battle and it's going to take something unusual and different to set them apart. Um, so I, I'm thinking we might see a little more out of um, Kremaskoli today or uh, <laughs> Saturday um, in the passing game. Um, maybe look for, you know, one of his receivers, whether it's, uh, you know, Tyler Harden or Mendez or Cohen um, to get the ball in space and away from Cheeks. Um, so... Uh, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for maybe a little something unusual from the Trevs because I think they know that this Evanston team is going to bring it and just trying to trade blows from them for fourth quarter is going to leave things up to chance and maybe they can disrupt that a little bit with a little something unusual. All right, let's get some scores out of you guys. Uh, what happens between Loyola and Brother Rice on Thursday afternoon evening? Thursday afternoon evening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you go first on this one, Joel. I knew you would. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm still feeling. I'm still feeling the Homer love over here. Um, and brother Rice, you know, it, it's tough not knowing exactly what Marist is, except knowing that, that it's a quality program and it's gonna, it's a, um, you know, among the state's best every single year. And they played them toe to toe. They beat Providence. I'm going to say Loyola still comes out a 10 point win or so. So I'll say, um, I'll say 23, seven. Yeah, I'm very close. I've got 21, 10 Loyola written down. So I think the, you know, the strangeness that I've, that I mentioned and talked about earlier um, plays into keeping the game very close going into the fourth. And then I think the Ramblers show us again, why, they're the best team in this, why we think they're the best team in the state and why they have uh, such a talented group this year because of the depth on both sides of the ball and they pull away. So I've got 21-10 Loyola. Last week I had uh, 10-6 for Mount Carmel, so that didn't, re- or for Loyola and Mount Carmel, so that didn't really go well. Um, <laughs> so probably uh, avoid my prediction this week, but I'm going 28-17 uh, Loyola. Um, I think they'll get a late touchdown there, but I think uh, this offense seems to be humming at the right time and we'll see. Um, I think they'll keep it going against uh, the Crusaders on Thursday. Um, all right. So we Evanston and Nutria, what are we thinking there? Yeah. So one thing I, I wanted to mention about this game, and I'm curious how you guys feel about this as well, but it's almost, you know, like it's never a bad thing to rest your starters, to have an extra day of rest, to, uh, maybe have a little bit of a game beforehand that you're, you're able to relax a little bit, as is the case with Nutrier being last week against Niles West. They got their starters out of there pretty early. They have an extra day of rest. I'm debating if that affects them a little bit this week coming off, uh, or fa- I should say facing an Evanston team that's coming off, obviously, a four-quarter play-by-play down-to-the-wire game against Maine South. Maybe that affects Evanston a little bit more with a little bit of, of tiredness and maybe they have an injury here or there. Maybe that affects Nutrier a little bit more with, uh, you know, sort of seeing a team that's going to come out firing right away. So it's hard to, to tell what impact that's going to have. And um, 
if any at all, I should say, obviously it could be, could be nothing of significance, but that's one thing I thought over when, when thinking of my prediction for this game. But um, the, the best thing I think for Nutria is that they've come out of these first two weeks, very healthy, no injuries. Um, everyone is going into that, into that game against Evanston this week, healthy. So um, I, I'd say that's probably the best case scenario for them through, through, through those first two games. But Long story short, I know that's a long uh, that's a long <laughs> lead in there into my prediction. I'm gonna go 17-14 Nutrier. I think we're tied going into the fourth quarter, and the late score for the Trevs puts them over. But you know, I could I could see it swinging the other way pretty easily. But I've got 17-14 Nutrier. That was uh, that's what I was gonna say. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know. The only difference in mine was I think, you know, uh, Nutria would have to come back in this one and maybe get 10 points in the fourth. But um, I'm going to switch it up because we can't do the same thing. I'm still going to go Nutria, but, um, you know, maybe if the game shakes out a little differently than I thought and, they, and you know, maybe uh, Evanston comes back and Nutria hangs on by like a uh, by a 27-21 score. They, they get a big stop with Evanston on the goal line late. There it is. That's crazy. But 27-21. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I think Evanston is hungry, and I think uh, it's going to be a tough game and a close game. And I think uh, even if this game is on the road for the Wildcats, um, I think they pull it off where they lost 10-7 uh, to 7 last week, and I think they're going to win 10-7 to 7 this week, I think. Uh, that defense is just going to disrupt Nutria a little bit. I think Sebastian Cheeks is going to be a major factor in this game on both sides. And I think a field goal um, late in the game, game wins it for the Wildcats as uh, they know that they can't lose that second game if they want to make any kind of uh, uh, division run this year. And I think uh, after playing uh, Maine South tough last week, I think uh, Evanston will get the job done um, against Nutria this Saturday afternoon. But um, I'm sure it'll be a good game. I think both games will be really good. Um, make sure you folks at home know that the game is on Thursday. So make sure you guys are paying attention and watching that game. Uh, I think there's going to be a live stream. So make sure you're watching that and then uh, watching Nutria play on Saturday afternoon. So uh, before we say a quick uh, goodbye, uh, we have a proposition uh, for some local football teams uh, in the area. Loyola, as of right now, does not have a game in week five. And we thought it would be prudent upon uh, the best uh, teams in the state. We looked at it. Uh, Loyola played Mount Carmel. They won. St. Rita appears to be a very good team, and they've won uh, against them too. And since we thought it would make sense, since there won't be any state championship or state uh, playoff series, why don't we just schedule Lincoln Way uh, East? I mean, Lincoln Way East plays against Sandberg on April 16th. Um, Maybe we get some sort of agreement where first stringers only play or something like that between Loyola and Lincoln Way East and second string can play against Sandberg. That wouldn't take away uh, a rivalry game uh, for Lincoln Way East, but it's a modest proposal. We don't know how much and how likely it is to happen, um, but we thought about it and we thought it was strong enough and made so much sense that we would put it out into the world and just see what the people thought. Yeah, I got um, – I, I have a history with Sandberg, so I have no problem kind of uh, tainting their game with Lincoln Way East. <laughs> but seriously, uh, I, I want Loyola to play five games, and 
I know all these games are like semi-huge playoff-style games in the CCL, but um, why not make it a little more interesting and have Lincoln Ways travel up there, or even have Loyola go down to Frankfurt? And uh, yeah, I think they're I think they're due a trip to Frankfurt. Yeah, they probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are. Um, <laughs> thanks, I. If, if memory serves us correctly. <laughs> But wouldn't that be fun? Um, just uh, two of the state's best. Two, uh, they are the state's best teams um, on paper and probably in practice um, this year. So let's let's see him go at it. Sorry, Sandberg, but you'll still get a game. You know, it'll be Lincoln East Reserves. They're they're probably pretty good. I'm not sure what you're putting out here out there this year, Eagles. But um, <laughs> uh, that'd be awesome. And let's and let's make this game happen. Not, it's not likely. It's not going to happen. We'll start us. We'll start a week seven, petition and we'll just get it going that way. Week seven, sponsored by the record. You know what? <laughs> we should call up the coaches and tell them that the other coach talked smack about them. Be like, hey, yes. hey, Halsek, I heard that uh, Coach Z said you won't go down and play him. Is that true? <laughs> that would be. I mean, definitely won't hear this. Uh, us planning it out or anything like that. <laughs> Obviously wishful thinking, but uh, why not? I mean, it's a crazy year anyways. You might as well just try it out and see what happens. What's the worst that can possibly happen? I feel like um, we we invented the idea for the CSL crossover. I mean, credit to the pod, right? So I feel like why no not? One could have, no one could have thought of that idea before we brought yeah, up. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So why not add one more to our, uh, to our credit list? <laughs> exactly. Obviously wishful thinking, but uh, hopefully you guys are looking forward to a good weekend of football and a good weekend of a lot of sports happening. Uh, like I said, the rest of the spring uh, summer sports, I don't know what they're called, spring summer right now, um, sports are starting on April 5th as well. So uh, a lot of sports happening. So make sure you guys check it out, enjoy it as well as the last few months of the school year are taking place. So uh, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe anywhere uh, where you can listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you guys give us a nice little review there as well. Uh, and make sure you guys are checking out the record northshore.org for all the latest information, sports, and otherwise as well. So enjoy the football this week. And for Mar- Joe and Marty, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.